0: All right, welcome everybody to episode eight of the study hall podcast. I'm Trevor Denton with Jordan Hunter, Daniel Halpern, and Jimmy Goodman. Guys, the big news of the day, there's a lot of big news going on right now, but we're going to start off with Urban Meyer officially picking Jacksonville, Florida over USC. And the only other person that I could think of that would make such a decision that I could imagine making such a decision is our own Florida expert on the study hall podcast, Jimmy. So I just want to start with you, man. Um, you know, you're a guy that would definitely choose to live in Jacksonville over LA. So I'm just wondering, like, maybe if you can offer some insights into what was going through Urban my- Myers head when he made this decision, man.
1: Hey, I will not take such slander on my name. I love Florida. You know, you I would said. say as much as the next guy. I would say as much as I love but as much as the next guy, but a lot of guys hate Florida. Um but Jacksonville, Florida is like not a particularly good place. Like, it's really weird. If you're in a part of Florida that could be easily confused, slash is used as a neutral site between the universities of Florida and Georgia. That's no longer Florida. That's not Florida anymore. Like that's just Southern Georgia. Like people up there are Braves fans and there's no more sorry franchise than the Atlanta Braves. So I, I couldn't imagine wanting to be in a place like that, but certainly, you know, I mean, it's a little more, bit more nuanced than not picking USC, but you know, good luck to Urban. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see the juiciness surrounding his his uh, quarterback pick at 101 because who knows what could happen with Fields with, with Lawrence it could be very interesting. I'm excited to see it happen.
0: Yeah, I was just curious, Jimmy. One more one more thing. Um, you know, what do you think it was about Jacksonville though that made him want to come there? Was it was it like maybe the tramp stamps or like the males wearing jorts or? Maybe it was like the, you know, random alligator attack that could befall you while walking to church or a local bakery uh, to get some snacks. Like, what do you think it was about Jacksonville that made him decide to come home?
1: I think what he loved, you know, being a former University of Florida coach is that he can coach in the stadium where Georgia loses to Florida every single year.
0: Come on, man. Come on, man. That's not cool. We beat them three of the last four years and the Braves are nasty next. All right. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, I have a question for you now. Okay. So now that urban Meyer, he's kind of been the dream candidate for USC for quite a while. Now that he's off the table officially coaching Jacksonville, who do we like now for USC? Not saying that Clay Helms ever going to be fired. Cause we can't, we know we can't ever count on that, but like, now that Urban's off the table, who's your dream candidate?
2: I'm going to steal that one from Jordan because uh, I think this could be an <laughs> unpopular opinion. Uh, I, I honestly want to just have Dante Williams promoted. I, I think if you're, you're talking dream candidates, sure, Luke Fickle would be awesome. I think Bone could uh, use his, his past relationship with him to maybe get him to come. He's definitely one of the, the best names of uh, a smaller program, uh, a non-Power 5 school like Cincinnati. Uh, and you know get him to come into USC and maybe turn things around the way that uh, he really turned around that Cincinnati program so that that could be interesting but I I really like Dante Williams Uh, just keep it in house he's the guy who's already bringing in a lot of people I'm scared that if we brought in someone new uh, he might leave he might go take his his own job somewhere else Uh, so you know you want if you want to bring in Fickle he you're going to probably lose uh Dante Williams. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm I'm willing to do that with how well he's been recruiting for us recently.
1: You know, to your point, Daniel, I I'm so curious why there's not you know more you know coals around the fire of fickle to USC. I mean, it's crazy that Mike Bone obviously has the connection with Cincinnati, and like there's no conversation, at least no reasonable one, about poaching his former coach who obviously had an absolutely amazing season that really should have capped off in a in a New York six victory. uh, And like, there's not even like a a, a reasonable conversation about it on, on any kind of national wire.
2: Yeah. I love what Cincinnati did in the game against Georgia. I, 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 when Jordan and I were talking about it and doing predictions, I pretty much said like, I I want Cincinnati to win. I I think they can do it, but they might just come up a little bit short and that's exactly what they did. If uh, you would have looked at it, it would have been, I guess, betting against the, the, the spread of it type thing.
0: Yeah, no, great point. I mean, I watched that game. Obviously, as a Georgia fan, was horrified for most of it. Um, I mean, they were up 21-10 to 10, uh, deep into the fourth quarter, um, and it took a dramatic comeback by by Georgia. And they've really recruited well. I think that's important to see because a lot of guys can be gimmicky at the, the group of five level, and they can kind of make their name that way without really um, – I'm trying to examples uh, aren't coming to me right now, but guys at the group of five can be gimmicky and that's how kind of how they rack up wins. But what you really want to see is overachievers in recruiting in those positions. And that's what Luke Fickle's done. He's consistently at top 25 places at a spot where that really doesn't happen. But I'd be really interested to see how the USC faithful reacted. Um, if, Luke Phil, if Luke Fickle was ever like brought into interview or considered a, a, a serious coaching change, because I feel like USC as a whole is kind of caught culturally between Like it used to be they only brought in the USC guys, specifically like former USC players, Lynn Swan, Garrett, uh, Pat Hayden. Um, And then I feel like there was kind of a sea change after, you know, Lynn Swan that was like, nah, we need outsiders. But I, I don't know. I feel like culturally USC is caught in between those two of wanting to be traditional and get guys that are foundational Trojans or get people from the outside. So I'm not really sure. Um, how that would work. I, so I guess what I'm getting to, in a long-winded way, as usual, is: um, Do you think that whoever's brought in, like it, whoever succeeds Clay Helton ultimately, needs to have Trojan ties or, or not?
3: I don't. I don't think. I don't think whoever does come in needs to, because it just has to be whoever's going to be the best for the job. And I think, as I think, Bone's going to have to. And you said Bone being an outsider, he doesn't really have those ties to SC that other people did. So I don't think there's going to be much of a, like a necessity to bring someone in who is going to have those Trojan ties. Um, I think with all the talent that SC is going to have over the next two classes, hopefully Helton's gone after this next season. um, You have to capitalize on that quick because guys are going to, if there's more losing seasons, we're not going to keep getting these crazy recruiting classes we've had. Um, We had a few years going, we were going to have next year. So we need to capitalize on that. Now and I think whoever is the best for the job should get it. It doesn't have to be a former Trojan. It could be someone like I said from a from a group of five school. It could be someone from a power five school. It could be could be Graham Harrell. I don't know.
2: And yeah, I think to to your point, uh, as we've been saying for the, the duration of this long-storied podcast. We don't know what will get Clay Helton fired. At this point, we, we it's gonna take some some catastrophe. It needs to be so such a colossal loss or w- whatever is gonna happen. It's something that we, we just don't know what it's gonna take to get him out. So I'm feeling if we get to that point, USC won't worry about the, this, I guess, tradition of in, in-house guys, guys who have been part of the program. It's just going to be like, all right, let's, let's start fresh. Let's try something new. And I think everyone's going to be on board. It's going to be that, that opportunity that you don't get very frequently to really break the mold and try something new.
0: What if it's like something really small that gets Clay Helton fired? They're like, yeah, he never turned out the lights in his office. Like after he left, it's a huge <laughs> liability. It's a huge liability for the power bill. Like he never changed like the the K cup and the little Keurig coffee machine at the football facilities. I'd love to see that. Uh, but but Dan, I saw some of your reactions on Twitter. You seem to be everywhere on Twitter lately. You're like this year's Lauren Marola, if you will. But I'm just wondering, like, uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering. Like you seem to be really upset, and I'm wondering like why? Like why were you so upset that Urban Meyer took the Jacksonville Jaguars job? Where did that come from? Did you see him as a viable candidate? Like why were you so angry today at the announcement that that uh, that's who Jacksonville went with?
2: I'll be honest, it's a, it's a little bit showmany if if you want to call it that. I don't really think that he, it was ever going to happen, but I, I'll tell you like as a USC fan. Everyone over the past, however long you want to say, two two years realistically, Jimmy, maybe you can hop in on how long. Yeah, I'm getting a head shake there. About two years, everyone has been like, this is the guy who can return us to prominence. He is our Nick Saban, pretty much, trying to come and turn things around. And it was always idealistic. Were we ever going to get it? No, it probably was never going to happen. But it's the same way when LeBron's going in free agency and you're a Nuggets fan and you're like, well these are the reasons why I think it can happen. And it's, is it realistic? No, it's, it's LeBron is never going to come to Denver type thing. It's, it's one of these scenarios where I don't think it's going to happen, but it doesn't make it any less meaningful okay, when he chooses to go somewhere else. And it, it still hurts. So as Wait. a USC fan, I think that this was the guy. I think we missed out on our opportunity. If, Hey, if Helton would have been gone before, I, I I don't know. It's, it's possible he gets in there, but I don't know. Jimmy, what do you think?
1: So my thinking is it's it's not LeBron not going to Denver. It's like LeBron not going to the Knicks, right? I feel like, and this is such a such a mean comparison that I'm gonna give to USC right now, but I think it's not far off to say that we are feeling a lot like the New York Knicks right now. I right? like the comparison.
2: Any, I like the comparison.
1: We have that kind of you know fan-based illusion where it's like any good person, it's like whether they're yeah. a recruit, whether they're a coach, whoever, it's like, if they're not coming to USC, what the hell are they doing? Like, like, obviously they would go to New York to, to USC. It's the Mecca of, of college football, Right. Obviously they have to go to the Knicks. It's the Mecca of basketball. Right. Uh, so like, you know, I, I think that when you have a guy come out of the market, like Urban Meyer, you know, it, it's not like you'd be shocked for him to go somewhere else but it's hard to feel like there's a better place for him to go than USC. And I mean, I think that there's like a fair amount of, you know, it It was, it was less of a shock when he finally signed with with the Jaguars, but it was, it was more of like, you know, fine, finally laying that to rest, it's like saying goodbye to an old friend, you know? Um, because Perfect. it is very rare that you have someone of that caliber come onto the market the way that he did. You know, I mean, there, there are plenty of coaches who can – everything goes right they can win national championship they can win conference championships consistently whatever uh but it's very rare that you have a guy come on that you know will um so i think it, it's, it's more of you know it, it's almost like an end of an era that we can speculate about <laughs> Urban Meyer. i i feel like you said it's like saying goodbye to an old friend
3: i feel like it's more like saying goodbye to someone you've been stalking for a few years and then then moving like oh wow we were really good friends like oh they didn't know who you were like there were all the rumors of Urban Meyer, you know, coming to SC, but he never really talked about it that much. He always, you know, said the, the classic USC, USC is a great football program, but like, he never really, was there really a chance that he was going to come, especially with the whole Helton situation? And I don't know, it's just, it didn't seem like it was, it wasn't two-sided at all. But I am curious, cause I mean, most coaches want to always coach at the pro ranks besides maybe Nick Saban and a few others. It's like it, with Urban Meyer and his health history, you know, with um his heart, and you know he gets uh I think he has he has some something like so he gets headaches or something with it with his health. Going to the NFL is a very stressful job, yeah. um, and so I like to see how that's gonna work. Is he gonna have to step away like he did a couple times, um, in college, or what's gonna go on there? Jacksonville's a team that you know doesn't have has some talent, but is probably gonna expect to it be in rebuilding mode. How long are, are the fans gonna? be okay with that. So I think it's an interesting choice to go to the NFL. Um, it probably will be less stressful than SC, just because SC would expect so much. Uh, so I, I'm happy for is getting back in the game, but interesting uh, regarding his health. He kept saying he was retired, all this and all that, but no one's really ever retired.
0: Yeah, I feel like <sighs> – You know, from watching Urban, from really Urban haunting my entire childhood while at the Coach of Florida, like, you know, I'd like to think that I've learned some things about the man. And I feel like, um, number one, he hates losing. I'm not the first person to say that. Doesn't take losing very well. He famously cried back in 05, his first year, 06. His first year at Florida, they got spanked by LSU, went scoreless, and he cried in the press conference his very rookie year, was actually very scrutinized for it um, back in 05. Um, obviously has the health issues. That's number two, but I feel like number three, the biggest thing about Urban Meyer that kind of trumps everything is this dude is all about his own legacy. He's not really about the allegiances. He'll jump jump from place to place when it's convenient. I mean, I'm not completely discounting the health issues, but it's no secret that he was completely losing control of Florida. I mean, that place was getting out of hand. It was probably already under control when he was there, when you hear about some of the stuff that was going on with Aaron Hernandez and Brandon Spikes and some of that stuff. So he very conveniently left at the right moment to protect his legacy similar thing at ohio state very ugly situation that i feel like doesn't get talked about enough at all anymore was, it just I don't disappeared even what, right it disappeared well, no it didn't, it, just is, disappear. it didn't just disappear. one of his assistant coaches was was implicated in domestic violence and it came out that urban meyer knew about it now i don't want to talk about that anymore because i not something that I feel confidently speaking about and I would need to learn all the facts but the bottom line is the dude knew about domestic violence and still had a guy on his staff that's the bottom line so it was messy and people have conveniently forgot about that because he sort of uh, you know got he rebranded himself on Fox Sports whatever as people tend to do through the media but my main point is that through everything the common thread with Urban Meyer despite the hating losing and despite the health issues is he protects his own legacy and when you really think about it when you stop and think about it what would Urban Meyer actually have to gain from going to US right that he can prove that he can win a championship in another power five conference why does he need to do that he's already won in the sec at a time when the sec was building its dominance when it was by far and away the best conference in the nation he won two national championships with two different quarterbacks of florida and then he led a miracle championship at ohio state brought them to the level of a clemson or alabama at ohio state and to me going to usc A place that really, I mean, okay, this is gonna be a long, long rant, but you're just you guys are just gonna have to go with it for a second. But you you know, you compared it to the Knicks. I don't know if they're quite the Knicks because the Knicks haven't won a championship since what, like the 80s? Like USC, it's still not that long ago that that Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll was going on. Like it's still just close enough where it can still play into today's expectations. And for me, Urban Meyer has said it, like LA is, is one of the richest talent bases in the country when it comes to recruiting. I have no doubt he would turn USC into a national contender by, by year two or year three. You see the players in Southern California um, going and winning big games for Oregon, Georgia, Alabama already right now. If you concentrated all that talent like Urban Urban Meyer could no doubt do at USC. I have no doubt that they could be national title contenders. But my question is, like, what would that really do for his legacy? That what would do something for his legacy is making the leap to the NFL which college coaches in general have notoriously had a tough time doing, including his biggest rival in Nick Saban, and also the freaking Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that lost 15 in a row this year that's like shining light has probably been like Blake Bortles, a team that everyone wants to leave. So I feel like that's really the key thing in all of this is that Urban Meyer is willing to overlook his health issues, willing to overlook the chance to lose some games um, just to protect his legacy. And I feel like that's what this is all about. That's my rant. Well, well, I think,
1: I think, while well, that, w- that was a great rant, uh, Urban's definitely about the reclamation project, right? So I think that, he, you know, he came into a Florida program that was floundering in the post area, he came into an Ohio State program that was raked, you know, raked over the coals with, with various uh sanctions from the trestle era and you know, everything with Terrell Pryor and the tattoos and the merchandise or whatever. Uh, and, and then he would come to a place, you know, he still could come, you know, in, in, in theory it was, he would come to a place like the USC that had, you know, been lost for over a decade since it was a national championship caliber program. Uh, you, you have a team that basically doesn't have an identity in a conference that doesn't have an identity, right? It's this giant reclamation project. And there's nothing, there's nothing that's saying that the Jags isn't that exactly right. Uh, and I think that you're right that it is a great challenge and it's a great thing to add to his legacy Uh, but I mean would it really be out of character for like a coach from USC to be running from trouble I mean come on look at Pete Carroll are you kidding me everything was falling falling apart in 2008 and he got dressed out of there before we got hit with sanctions and the whole Reggie Bush thing came to light so it's hardly like that would be you know anything but par for the course for what we would expect from from USC and and can you even really blame the guy I mean he's clearly his stock is so high that like it doesn't matter like he really just doesn't have time for you know getting himself in any kind of trouble and I I don't really blame him for that you know he he's really certain about his brand and I, I think that LA would have been a natural fit right he gets to be in the place that he wants to be he said it so many times it's almost like a Tom Brady going to Tampa thing right he gets to be in a great city uh where everyone loves him and and you know, he's, he's pretty much said similar things to Brady where, you know, Brady says he never wants to go live in the Northeast. Do you think, I mean, realistically, even if another NFL team came to him, like if it was green Bay, do you think he would take it? If it was Indianapolis, right? Like I think it was just the right situation. That's why he's in Jacksonville, but I don't think that USC is really that, that far off a a thought. And I don't think that it really would risk his legacy in any kind of significant way.
0: I think what I ultimately want to get to, to wrap up this, this, uh, this whole urban Meyer thing. And it's basically, I've heard a lot, just a lot of what you guys have said is interesting. And I think ultimately what I want to get at is like, does USC is USC so far gone? Are they so much the Knicks at this point, like such a reclamation project that urban is the only one we can bring in? Or is there hope for maybe even a less a less successful, less pedigreed guy to come in and fix this and make USC a national program again? Or do we need that Kevin Durant free agency signing or that LeBron James coming back to Cleveland free agency signing to ever be relevant again?
2: Well, I, I think if if we're the Knicks, then if Irvin if Meyer, if you want to do this analogy, he was our... Um, uh, our Phil Jackson and uh, look how that works. So maybe we're just unsavable if we're, if we're the Knicks at this point, maybe we're so deeply seated in our, our problems from, from the top to the bottom with our, our organization, our, our program that we're just like unsavable at this point, if, if we really want to go full Knicks. I think it's
3: gotta,
2: I mean, it's gotta
3: start with all the players though. It's, it's a whole culture change and we've seen it with recruiting that is, that, that is kind of tough and, Toughened it up, but it's got to be like with with Coach Heldon with with the, that Rose Bowl win against Penn State. Heldon wasn't really this huge name. It got it got USC back in in the headlines and stuff like that, and we really haven't left him since over the last few years. So I don't think it really has to be a crazy splash of a coach. We just have to have players that want to come out there and play hard and play for the right reasons. Play to be the best of the Pac-12 and be the best in the West and take back the West. Like it has to be for the right reasons. It can't just be. You know, to make to make your your real look good or to see how many how much you can pad, um, pad the stats or see, you know, where you're going to get drafted it has to be for the right reasons. It has to be getting players that are going to want to come in every day and work and and like USC has been saying, take back the West.
0: I think that's great points. I think definitely has to start with the players need a whole culture change. Totally agree with you, Jordan. I do know this for sure. We're a group of hardworking guys um, and we're going to be hard at work again after this quick break.
2: Welcome back everyone. I'm Daniel Halpern. alongside me, Trevor Denton, Jimmy Goodman, and Jordan Hunter. Of course, uh, There's been a lot going on in the NBA over the past week, if you you want to call it that, maybe even a little bit longer. Maybe the the quarantine is getting to different players' heads. But the, the number one question mark in all of sports right now is where the hell is Kyrie Irving, right? Do you guys have any idea of where Kyrie might be hanging out, what he might be doing, other than going to birthday parties without masks? And Jordan, you're shaking your head. You got any ideas?
3: I think, you know, he's got some Native American in him. He might be in a teepee somewhere. Somewhere in upstate New York, you know, took a little trip. I uh, just chilling there. What do they have those? Uh, he's do, maybe doing a vision quest. They have those vision quests, um, where you he go a little bit too much
2: stage, right? <laughs>
3: he's he's somewhere. They, they say it's for personal reasons. He, he's he's a, he's a weird guy. That's that's. I think we can just also he's he's just he's not your average NBA player. He's not your average person. I would say that.
0: That's true. Yeah. I feel like wherever he is, there's, there's pottery involved. He's definitely pottering things. He's, he's making stuff out of wood. I I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's just working at an urban outfitters. I don't know. It's something like very fake hipster though.
1: I'm just going to take what Jordan said and make it really simple for our audience. Kyrie Irving is a a f***ing So here's the thing, right? We had a very similar, (laughs) you heard it. We had a very similar situation to this potentially in the NHL. In the bubble during the playoffs, Tukarask, who is the starting goaltender for the Boston Bruins, a team that led the NHL in points during the regular season, suddenly opted out of the playoffs and was done, like done playing for the year, like had to go home, didn't want to play with the team. And understandably, like if you're a fan, like you could probably get pissed off about that. Uh turns out, right? He he made a statement like once he was actually like able to speak, like got off the plane, was like, Hey, like my daughter's sick. And everyone was like, Okay, well, that's like pretty reasonable, right? Like you don't have to you don't have to play hockey, even if it's in their old playoffs, like if your daughter's like ill, like obviously. Uh Kyrie Irving, you know, I wanna withhold judgment until we know why he's gone. But like unless there's like cancer in his family, the guy is a loser. So and I I gotta I gotta be fully unleashed with that because it's absolutely ridiculous what he is doing. You you cannot be allowed to to behave like this and still be earmarked for thirty to forty million dollars per year. I don't care if they're taking away his game check to the games that he's skipping out to go to COVID super spreader birthday parties. Right? Like you when you head into the season. They're saying, okay, this $35 million or whatever going against our cap, that's going to Kyrie Irving. If you don't want them to fucking pay you $35 million, fuck off and retire or ask for a trade or don't sign with the team. That's money that a team like the Nets, right? Like even pre harden but now after adding James Harden, like this is a team who has one goal and that's to win an NBA championship. Like that's it. It's not even to get to the, like it's winning the championship right now. And if you're too busy just going off going on panels like great dude like and and all i see on twitter is like oh like all they want to talk about that Kyrie, but they don't want to talk about this Kyrie. and it's like Kyrie irving donates a million dollars to kids it's like hey that's great that's fantastic you know he's not gonna have any money when he doesn't play basketball because he's being an idiot and he can that's what the entire offseason is for the guy opted out of the bubble he has been out there all He
2: he was hurt he wasn't gonna be playing
1: it doesn't matter he's been out from the team he's been away from basketball for so goddamn long like what are you trying to do man like all you're being asked to do realistically is travel with the team and play three to four hours of basketball a night with some practices mixed in if you want to be on panels with your local congressman do it if you want to donate money to schools go for it but you're screwing over every single person in the organization you're screwing over you're screwing over the front office who put 35 million dollars in you when they can spread that out amongst other players or other interests or whatever you're screwing your teammates who are relying on you to help win basketball games like that's pretty simple you're screwing like you're screwing over like the people in, like the pr and marketing stack, like because they don't have to talk about because everyone just wants to ask about kyrie irving it's absolutely ridiculous it's the most self-centered move i've ever seen and i can't I understand that the the Nets have their hands tied, and they're like, oh, well, we'll hear where Kyrie is when he's ready to talk to us. And it's like, are you kidding me? He's gonna take personal leave time without telling the head coach he's leaving. The head coach is gonna find out from a group chat of a bunch of other players. That's so disrespectful. And the coach is new. It's not like Steve Nash was like, okay, I'm here, Kyrie, you suck. You're like, this is my team. Like that's not Steve Nash. Are you joking? You don't have the courtesy to text Steve Nash. Hey, I'm not going to be playing basketball for the next month because I don't want to play. Well, it's unbelievable. I've never seen, I've never seen something like this before. And and the only thing I can compare it to is Dwayne Haskins. But the difference between Dwayne Haskins and Kyrie Irving is that Dwayne Haskins doesn't have a job anymore. Okay, let's call it how it is. In the NFL, there's a lot of things wrong with that league. But if they did this, shit, which which Dwayne Haskins did, you don't have a job anymore. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how highly you were picked. So with Kyrie, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I hope that the NBA does the right thing and says, "Hey, he doesn't get his game checks for these personal league games because it's not even like responsible. He's not even doing something responsible with his time. He's going to f-ing birthday parties and." And mean, like, hey, who wants coronavirus? You know, give it to me, man. He's just risking his entire. It's just- you can't say he's not giving. You can't
0: say he's not giving, Then, yeah. in, in,
2: in full disclosure, I, I do think Jimmy needs to say that you know, he's talking about everyone who Kyrie Irving is screwing over, from the, the coach to the front office to the team. The number one person who Kyrie Irving is screwing over, and the reason why Jimmy had this rant entirely, is he's screwing over Jimmy Goodman in fantasy basketball. I I don't know how obvious this was going into it. It's that Jimmy has so much passion. He buys a jersey for the guy. He, He drafts him way too high in a dynasty league when Kyrie's, what, 31, 32? The person who is just screwed over most by this has to be Jimmy Goodman. Wow, You're that's down. not just the,
0: it's, comes it's, 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 the it's, truth It's, comes it's what
1: led me. It what it's what led me into the you know the conversation. But I just I disagree with it morally. Jimmy, you know as, I
2: mean? as psychotic as that rant may have been, and there's there a lot of truth to it. And I think that the number one biggest truth that we we need to discuss here is the difference between how the NBA deals with stuff like this and NBA teams deal with situations versus the NFL. I I think that you brought up a, a great situation with Dwayne Haskins, I'll, I'll even switch it around uh, a little bit differently and do something like an Antonio Brown. When antics like this happen with a top player, I, I feel like you can put Antonio Brown and when he was leaving the Steelers, kind of at the, the height of his powers, you can equate him to the same type of player that Kyrie Irving, if maybe even not a little bit but better than different. what Kyrie is. I, I They're it's both, different. I would say, you know, AB at that time, maybe like between seven and 15 best players in the league. I would say Kyrie in, you know, all of his, his essence is probably around that same, that same area. And the situation was handled so differently. And I realized the organizations they're with are very different. One is the Steelers, a, a very storied, like hard-nosed uh, organization versus the Nets who, do they have an identity? What, what really is the Nets? And it's why in the NBA, things like this can happen. It's, there's, there's a culture built in. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with player empowerment, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I think player empowerment's a great thing. But if something like this was to happen in the NFL, even 10 years from now type thing, you just have players walking away, the same thing would happen. Any big but distraction ends in you getting cut from your team or traded for pennies on the dime. But I think with, with
3: ba- just with basketball and football in general, a, even a star player like Antonio Brown can walk away and people be really confused where he is and they can make up for it. With, with a basketball, you're only playing five guys at a time. And if you're, if your second best player before James Harden came, if your second best player is out, that's going to affect your team a lot. It's going to, it's going to affect practice. It's going to affect everything because people are going to be like, Oh, superstar can do this. Why can I do this? Why can I do this? And with, with Kyrie Irving being gone right now at this specific time when James Harden, is probably on a flight to Brooklyn right now and you go from, from contender to a, of a finals to co-favorite with the Lakers to win the championship, this is the most important time that Kyrie should be there because this is where you're going to create your chemistry. And if you're not here for who knows how long, that's going to show in June. That's going to show when you're facing a Bucks team that's had the same core for three years now. We we're facing a team like Philly that's had the same core for years now. It's gonna come. That's gonna affect them, and it's hopefully Kyrie comes back soon. But I think it needs to come down to the GM, and he's come down to Steve Nash. They need to say the GM said he's talked to Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. Steve Nash said he'll. You know, I don't know where he's. He'll come back. They need to figure out where he is. They need to start talking to him. They need to say we're gonna like we're gonna start. We're gonna move on without him. He'll come when he comes, and then when he comes back, suspend him. He needs to like he. He needs to be suspended for the time he missed. If this if this is, this is mysterious reason is not valid, if it ends up being super valid, whatever, if he just needs time to take off, cool. But he just seems like a player. I was talking to one of my friends about it last week and he mentioned OBJ, who's, an, who's a player who's even said, you know, I just like playing video games. OBJ is a player who's so good at football. He's playing full because he's so good at it. He doesn't necessarily want, like, need to play football. Kyrie Irving, I feel, is so good at basketball. That's why he plays if he wasn't, he could be doing something else at this time. You know, I just, I think he's playing because, you know, he's gifted with his talent, but I don't think deep down he really wants to play. And I could see him being a player who retires at in two years, three years. I don't disagree so, with that at all.
1: I, I just think that the worst part is that people say that as like him, if, if, if his involvement, his presence doesn't have so many ramifications on like the lives and careers of other people. Like that's the craziest part. Again, like I, I, I harp on it, you know, a lot, like if the guy's getting paid thirty-five million dollars, that's thirty-five million dollars they can't put into someone else. No one's forcing Kyrie Irving to be a basketball player. But when he signs a contract that gets him paid that money and gets that money forced onto the Nets books, dude, you gotta play basketball or retire. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's like it's it's absurd. And and no one else does this. That's the, I mean, with the exception of Donald Trump going to golf courses while he's the active president of the United States, no one else off to do whatever they want when they should be working i mean it's ridiculous it 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 blows my mind i i guess i i'm just not fit for the nba mindset if 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 this is what i i should be you know welcoming but well it just blows my
2: mind trevor i want to defer to you on this the the other big news of of this this week in this nba news cycle is the james harden mega trade i guess
0: because i'm fat
2: he said, the, let's go to the resident fat person on the podcast <laughs> to talk about it. Well,
0: why well, you got to do that to me, man.
2: Trevor, I know that both you and James Harden uh, love more than just the food late at night. The, the strip clubs, of course, West Virginia strip clubs are definitely not bringing James Harden over there, but uh, maybe they're good enough for you. Oh, maybe your, your standards are a little bit different, but uh I I will ask you, how does James Harden getting thrust into this situation change things with Kyrie? Does it have him come back? Is it, was he mad kind of in the same way that James Harden was saying, hey, there's not enough here was he frustrated with, after the Nets got out to a good start, they kind of plateaued there for, for a couple of games. And maybe he got frustrated with it. Of course, it's really hard to look inside the mind of Kyrie Irving, but I, I guess my question for you is how do things change now that James Harden is in the fold? There's a bona fide super team happening in uh, with the Nets right now. Yeah. I think
0: first of all, you got to get in shape. I mean, like, I feel like all the time we talk about players showing up out of shape. Like, I feel like they were like, Oh, Terrell and showed up out of shape. You see him. And he's like, he's got his usual, like eight pack and, and crazy biceps. Like we hear this thrown around players out of shape. James Harden is out of shape and that's coming from someone who's very out of shape. That man, that's going to take some time, man. He's going to have to go on keto. He's going to have to do some, he's going to have to do some stuff to shed that weight. Like he is legitimately not, um, like how has he been playing? I haven't really been paying that much attention. How has he been? All right. Like the couple of times he's played, not really. Thing. Right. Still doing his thing. But like, he's like, fat doing, like but, but the oh, bottom he, on,
2: he looks what? more. He's like fat. Uh, he's like fat Jokic out there. He looks more like a basketball. I mean, that that's basketball shape. Okay. Is is round. It's not. You're not supposed <laughs> to look like the basketball.
0: But I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying we toss that around. Oh, he's out of shape in sports all the time. James Harden is legitimately disrespectfully out of shape for a professional athlete. We're really ragging on professional athletes today, but, um, but like, it's going to take some time. Like you talk about Kyrie Irving being absent on a team that has championship aspirations. James Harden is showing up in no way, shape or form championship shape or playoff shape or even barely regular season shape right now. So it's basically, you know, on paper, you look at this and you're like, oh man, they got James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. And I think that would have meant a lot of, a lot more, even two, five, definitely 10 years ago. That would have meant a lot more than it does right now. But right now you have Kevin Durant, who's 32 years old coming off an Achilles injury, still Kevin Durant, still amazing and all that, but but definitely not the Kevin Durant that he was at age 27 or 26. You have James Harden, who is woefully, disrespectfully out of shape. And, um, and then you have Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, who's still missing in action. And I'm not fully going off on the on the Nets train. I think, you know, Kyrie Irving could come back tomorrow. We don't know really what's going on with him. He could be back tomorrow after whatever. They better make him quarantine and all that stuff. Um, And James Harden could get in shape. I mean, I don't think it's a usual overnight type of, oh, he just needs to get his conditioning back. No, he like really needs to get in shape. That could take some time. So the Nets could coalesce, but I'm also saying that I'm also going to say there's a chance... That um, this trade ends up looking really good for the Rockets because seven years, a lot can change in seven years. I mean, look at what, what what happened with the Warriors. I mean, if anyone told you in 2015 that in 2019, they would be the worst team in the league and they would end up number one or they would end up with the second pick in the lottery, I would have said there's no way. So I think that's kind of my takeaway from it um, is that, you know, yeah. This doesn't really work until James Harden gets in shape and Kyrie Irving's back, and then this could be a really good trade for the Rockets, even though on paper right now it doesn't seem like it. I want to – Go ahead, I Jordan.
3: was going to say about quickly about the two situations with Harden and Kyrie. There were the reports at Harden, once Westbrook got traded, that Harden didn't want to be on the team anymore. And I just kind of – when I was, when he came back finally, like what was like a few games into the season, I was – I just felt bad. I'm like, I'm like there's got to be something behind the scenes – that's happening. Like, you know, like Harden's on the court doing his thing, playing with John Wall, with DeMarcus, Christian Wood, all these guys. I, but I just thought, like, there's got to be something behind the scenes. And DeMarcus came out and said it on Wednesday or when, after they got blown out by the Lakers and Harden, you know, said, that we're just not good enough. And uh, DeMarcus said, you know, the disrespect started way before tonight. Disrespect started in training camp. And I just kind of ha- always thought that there was something at practice that Harden was, wasn't, t- probably wasn't talking to his teammates. Was, you know, kind of that similar situation when Jimmy Butler was on what was it the the Timberwolves? Yeah. When he, when he was you know upset with his team as well, but for Harden to kind of create like a divide in the locker room just because he you know he wanted to try to force a trade, at least he you know he came out and he didn't just you know uh, stay at home until he got until he, he got traded. But it's just that's just the disrespect too. Is you're gonna Demarcus said it best, he said, You're gonna come, you're gonna come and be disrespectful to these 12 guys who have done nothing to you. Most of the team is new. Like these guys have done nothing to you. They come, they have a job too, they're doing their job. You should be doing your job, playing your best basketball. If you get traded, good. And if you don't, then you know, you wait till the offseason you get tra- you get traded maybe then. Like you don't come in and and create a divide on a team or, with a bunch of guys that are just trying to win games and do their
1: job. I, I feel the same exact way, except for Kyrie Irving. I mean, I, not that I disagree with you on James Harden. Uh, And I I also have a new favorite phrase, which is disrespectfully out of shape. Uh, That, that is, that is, that is the one that I, I hope to use in the future. Uh, I just think it's interesting that you've now got a championship caliber team with three all-stars and the most, you know, respected, mature person on the team is Kevin Durant. Right. Um, I think that's, that's a really, really entertaining situation. Um, So I'm I'm just interested to see how it plays out. Right. I, I think. There's been a lot, I, I think a conversation, honestly, we could have is, you know, big threes, right? I mean, we've had a lot of big threes, at least if, if we want to count Celtics as the first one, right? Because they kind of, you know, created the phrase and you have the heat. And, you know, certainly you could throw like the Warriors in there and whoever else. I think this has to be easily the most dysfunctional big three ever assembled. And it might be like if you could pick three players that would qualify as big three players and pick the three people that are the most dysfunctional human beings. Uh, while playing that talent level, it's these guys. Maybe you could throw a Russell Westbrook in there, uh, but I, I think it's probably these three guys. So I, I'm just really interested to see how it plays out from like a how epically do they burn down, you know, kind of situation. I think they've become, just from the attitudes of their players, like arguably one of the most hated teams in the league. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if people felt like that. People get sick of LeBron, and the LeBron haters will be LeBron haters. But I wouldn't be surprised if you had a Lakers Nets final and people just lost their minds and weren't able to rationalize. So they're supposed to root for. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just interested to see it from, from the drama perspective, but it, it, it's not a, an awfully inspiring uh, start from a character perspective to this Brooklyn Nets big three.
3: Is that like, so yeah, you said most dysfunctional, but I think on the other end, this talent, like if you take this the talent wise, this is probably the most offensively talented big three ever, just in, in terms of what they can each do. But what's, what's interesting is that KD has always been a guy. He always says, I just want to play basketball, man. I just want to play basketball, score points. And for the first two years on the Warriors, it's, it's, he could do that. He, he was getting points up until the whole Draymond thing. You know, we don't, like, we don't need you, all this, all that. Up until that, KD could do his thing. And now you're, you put him in a huge market like Brooklyn, and not he can't just play basketball. He can, but then you're going to have every reporter asking, oh, what do you think of, of this Kyrie Irving situation? You, have you talked to Kyrie Irving recently? Do you know what's going on with Kyrie Irving? And so KD, maybe will start saying, this isn't the guy that I signed up to play with back in 2019. You know, I, I me and Kyrie are boys. We both have the same goal to win another championship and step outside the shadow of for Kyrie LeBron and step outside the shadow for KD of this warrior juggernaut. And, and KD is now saying, I don't know if I can if I can do that with Kyrie missing in action all this time. James Harden hopefully just comes back and is going to be normal, but this is not a situation that, that uh, KD wanted. He wanted to come in, play basketball, win a ring, but if you're – well, former Robin, now um, Alfred, is going to be out. What do you do?
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting look into also, like, if he is truly that guy that just wants to show up and play basketball, like, what's going behind, like, some of these decisions? Because, right, like – in okc like i felt like there was always the tension over russell westbrook didn't like katie's mom say something about like russell westbrook taking too many shots that was a controversy then obviously in golden state like choosing to join that already existing dynasty like if you don't know at that point that you're going to open yourself up to historic levels of scrutiny joining a 73 and 9 team and expecting everyone to just be like okay with that and then going to brooklyn um Really, like, kind of an out-of-left-field decision, I feel like. Not a storied franchise. Like, a lot of hype behind it. The Barclays Center, the Jay-Z thing, the – the you know the kind of rising uh you know neighborhood you know like elite neighborhood that Brooklyn has sort of become as a cultural hub like I don't know it's kind of interesting like if he is truly this guy that just wants to ball like why does he keep ending up in these situations of, of high scrutiny like I, I really don't know maybe that's just bad decision making or maybe he does want to draw attention to himself and he's just kind of always been lying I'm not, I'm not really sure well,
3: I, don't think, I don't think this ring will have an asterisk the same way the Warriors one did, just because he didn't, he, t- he chose to came with, to come play with Kyrie, which is just, you know, a, a, a nice tandem. He didn't, he didn't know James Harden was going to, all this is going to happen with Westbrook getting traded and then James Harden winning out. So I think this ring could be, could be more legitimate than the Warriors one just because he didn't join an already amazing team. The, the nets were, were decent before he came.
0: That's fair. And I think you also made a great point about the talent too, because we're kind of, ragging on it because of all the dysfunction and certainly it's not going to be like all easy sailing off the court but I mean you make a trade like this right because um, if all three of those guys are focused and playing your best basketball you're right Jordan like that's one of the most talented trios if not the most talented trio and tantalizing trio um, that we've ever seen and that's why you give up seven draft picks I guess the question is is you know, whether it, it will work out or not. Dan, uh, you haven't said anything. Like, Do you think that it's, it, it's worth it to, uh, do you think the upside of the, what those three guys can do at their peak is worth all the drama and all the, the um, Nets had to give up to make it happen?
2: I mean, I love Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. I think those are two cornerstones of a, a, a growing franchise. And giving up those two guys might even be worse than the the picks themselves. The, I mean, picks are picks in the NBA. I, I'll be honest. I It's not like the NFL. You're giving up that many picks in the NFL. Yeah, but but, like but,
0: the but seven world. seven is like, whoa. Like seven, you're mortgaging your entire future. If things go south. For but even it's not seven year. total that, that could be a generational if you if you even slip up one year like the warriors did like you could give up a Zion Williamson potentially not that he was in the same draft class but you get my point anyway, continue
2: yeah I mean I I it's not they're giving it's, away it's, seven it's, picks three, it's picks three
3: first rounders four pick swaps and um another pick from the Cavs
1: They go it's, to the Rockets.
2: Yeah they're for sure losing their draft capital they're they're going down and they're losing the value with those those swaps but I my, my biggest thing with this this pairing of the three of them, for sure, nobody's going to argue that there's been three more like talented volume offensive weapons to put together. I, I don't think that there can be. But there's the issue with that. There's only one ball. You, I, Kyrie, we know Kyrie can work as second fiddle. He's going to be third fiddle. That's going to be interesting to see here. James Harden does not like when he's not ball dominant. And Kevin Durant he's going to want to have the ball too and Kyrie it's going to be an ego thing once he, he's okay being number two but when he's number three maybe that's like hmm, well now I want to be number two and they're all going to be fighting I think it's going to be a disaster there might even be another trade before the deadline to if this thing doesn't work I don't think that they're going to like stick around and wait and see what happens I think get however much you can get back while you're at it I mean wow that that is
1: a bold prediction yeah
2: I think that it's a ridiculous conglomeration of talent that needs the ball and there isn't enough of the ball to go around. And out of all of this, you just have DeAndre Jordan who went from nothing to now like an integral piece of a championship run, yeah. which is really,
0: you can't overlook the Jared Allen one because like, even with him, the Hawks, the two games we we played against the, the Nets this year that I watched, like. We're just dominating inside the paint. Like Jared Allen wasn't even particularly impressive. And he was like their best defender, their best like their best uh, rim protector. So that's that's an interesting loss too. And it's three guys that notoriously don't seem to play a ton of defense. And so you don't bad. have
2: Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's out for, is he out for the season or just? Yeah, he's out for the year. Yeah, okay. So that you're losing another big time piece uh, who was also ball dominant. So that would just make things even more complicated. But well, the one comparison I can only think about it is like is the heat but that was very different because it was LeBron huh they were willing to work together they went into it knowing how like they planned and they they talked about this and they were friends this is like I guess two of them had been together and then Kyrie's kind of on the side there now they're oh. it's the, the friends teaming up it's when your your best friends your your hometown best friends in your college yeah we
3: your college best and friends and, they're, and they're you, know, you
2: want it to work out and in your head it's like damn wow. friend a is gonna love friend b and this is gonna be such a great connection and in in all actuality wow I've changed a lot since high school things are different now this is a disaster. I wish I could just get out of this. And I think that it's going to be a lot more of that than it is. Wow. This is a great pairing. This is, this is fun. This is exactly what I envisioned when I signed up for it.
3: It's, it's well, like a, it's like the Disney channel crossover episodes, the sweet life on when sweet life of Zach and Cody met Batso Raven met Hannah, Montana,
2: Jimmy, Timmy, it's,
0: Turner, power hour.
2: I'm going to say they yeah. <laughs> the Jimmy, Timmy, power hour. That's what I was going to go with.
1: Well, well, what I'm thinking is, is how long is it going to take before this Brooklyn Nets big three gets compared to the last, attempt at one you know Whoa, the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett rerun right I mean like honestly how far away are we from talking about that because that's the kind of investment they put into this team and you know <laughs> they haven't even played a game together and, and we're already questioning you know how well they could be a cohesive unit how long they would stick on the team how long they would stick with the program right like this is a, like the team could very much end up looking the worst out of all this is the, is the Nets just like they did the first time right they're, they're shooting for the moon and there's no problem with that, right? They're, they're doing what's best for them to win a championship and banners hang forever. And I, I totally respect that. And you can ask the Cavs, do you think the Cavs have any real regrets about doing what they did to get a championship? No, not at all. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it's the right thing to do from a team perspective, but as much as there's a chance that they win a title in the next one, two, three years, there's an equally ex- exceptional chance uh, that in four years, they're the worst team in the NBA. So, you yeah.
3: know, That's true. I think we can go first to worst really quick.
0: Yeah, because it's like Kyrie, you know, what if he just, you know, stays flaky, ends up leaving, deciding he doesn't like it like he did with Cleveland and Boston. Kevin Durant decides he needs another change of scenery, which we've seen him do in the past. James Harden stays on the KFC. Yeah. It could blow up pretty quickly in their faces. But the thing is, is that winning solves everything. I think we all know this. That's just a fact of sports. And if you start winning and say you win a ring 2021, 2022 season, um, you know, you start to care less about things like being ball dominant um, or whether guys take two weeks off to go on zoom panels. So I think it'll be and interesting I, to see. I think it makes the window. I think it makes the window very small for Brooklyn to win a ring. To and make they're the they're ring.
3: only they're only under contract. I'm pretty sure until 2023. So the, the window is really small. Yeah, they
0: have so to they win. Have, they have to win a title. Yeah, have,
3: okay. Harden's on halfway through his deal, and I'm pretty sure KD signed a, a only like a, a few year deal. But yeah, the whole Kyrie Irving thing is crazy because he is so he he's so the way his brain is wired is he can. Get up and leave off. If one thing doesn't sit right with him, he can get up and leave, and boom, be gone for a week. And who knows? Well, if so, if something in the news or something in the media, something in the world, doesn't sit with him right, he can be up and gone. Whether that be now or whether that be in the middle of July in the finals,
1: or in the and playoffs hey, that's the right a noble thing in some people, you know. If he wants to be a social activist, that's a great act, you know, attribute to have to feel like you know not everything is right in the world, and that some things are worth fighting for, and I can totally respect that, but he's a basketball player, right? That doesn't mean that he can't speak on other things. But when you're getting paid thirty-five million dollars, your first job should probably be your
0: thirty-five million dollars job, right? So I don't know. It, it's a, a great up dribble. We got Laura Ingram has entered the chat. All See, time. I'm not <laughs> trying to say that. was a little bit of sped up and dribble. I was waiting for it. That was a little bit. That was a little bit too much there. A little bit too much Shut up Oh my god!
3: But I
0: think, but I think it is interesting because it makes the title window for Brooklyn very, very small. Kind of reminds me of the Raptors deal, you know, where you essentially get Ka- Kawhi Leonard on loan. Obviously, it was worth it for them. But I'm curious if, um, just to wrap up this James Harden, this whole Nets conversation, if you're the GM of the Nets right now, do you make this trade or not? Just quick, yes or no. Starting with you, Jordan.
3: Uh, yes, and bring get bring James Harden's uh three favorite houston strippers with him that has to be in the deal too
0: i love it i love it that's what they is that what they mean by cash considerations is that what that that's meant this whole (laughs) time all in one all in one though i guess it's cash i mean that makes sense daniel do you do the deal or not
2: i guess so my my one word is no i don't think it's going to work and uh, i'll go on record now saying i think it's going to be an absolute disaster
0: wow I, I would say. Personally, Laura, Laura if, Ingram. Laura Ingram. Proceed. I
1: hate that that's becoming a moniker. Jesus. <laughs> um, I would say I wouldn't do it, but for different reasons, I think that you can't judge in the four games or whatever, in which you have Katie and Kyrie and that supporting staff playing that that's not a team that can get it done. Right. And I, I think that, if you want to say that this is, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to get a guy like James Harden, or he's at some crazy discount. That's, I mean, maybe the former is true, but certainly not the latter. I mean, he, this was no discount for the Nets, right? It's not like they're getting some star player some discount. Like you could say that the Raptors really didn't even mortgage that much of their future tra- trading way uh, to Martin Rosen when they got Ka- Kawhi. Right. But this is, this is a full freight trade for a superstar. And I don't know if it makes their team better.
2: Trevor, what do you go,
0: think? I'm gonna go with yes. And I think that even if uh in four years it's crazy and the and the Rockets own your future, I just think it's worth it to bring those three guys on the same court and try to win a ring for three years. Like if if that's not giving, you know, if, if that doesn't work well, you put your hands up, ah, uh, you know, we tried, but that's a full on try, and I can always respect that uh when you're trying like the to win Clippers. a ring.
3: With the Clippers like, did with Paul with Paul George trading away. Shay Gilgis, Alexander, and all of those picks in that huge trade, and Paul George said, you know, he came out after the season and said, "Oh, this wasn't a, a championship or bust here," and now it, ha- it really has to be because they, like you, like you said, the, the Thunder have their future, hold their future, and if you have two superstars like Kawhi and Paul George and don't win a ring, then it's all for nothing.
0: It's all for oh. nothing. Yeah, but I think. It- I just think it's worth it to take the risk. I think it's worth it mm-hmm. just to get those guys on the court. Uh, I think it's more worth it than what the Clippers did because I, I just think Harden, you know, but I, I, it's a great comparison in terms of in terms of what they're giving up and how another team basically owns them for the next few years. Dan, what were you going to say?
2: Well, just to, to end this conversation up, uh, I'll, I'll come a little bit to, to Jimmy's defense. I don't think he's saying shut up and dribble by any means. I think he's saying, you know, don't shut up, if anything, just dribble it a little bit more. and. <laughs> We definitely will not shut up here. We will be back after break. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. I take us to commercial break. Coming up, we're gonna talk about uh, USC basketball. Maybe some I don't think stuff.
2: so, Trevor. This was mine. I'm, I'm gonna maybe, I'm gonna maybe send some other stuff. I don't know. Break. I don't read Evan hey Mobley talk is coming up.
0: All right, welcome back to Study Hall. Uh, we were supposed to talk about USC basketball, but I call the shots around here, not Dan. Um, I also bring us to break, but um, we're back. We're talking about the NFL playoffs. We all made some game picks this last week. Dan, how did we do?
2: Jimmy came in first place, picking the Bills, the Bucks, the Ravens, the Saints, and the Browns. He did, however, get his Rams-Seahawks pick wrong, going with the Seahawks. Uh, then in second place, Jordan uh, picking pretty much the exact same thing, but going with the Steelers in the end, he gets four out of uh, four out of six. I believe then I am next. I went uh, Bills, Seahawks. I said the Washington football team, but I changed it after Alex Smith was out, so I'm not going to count that. Uh, Titans, Saints, and Browns. So I got uh, three of those wrong. I went three for three for six, fifty percent. Trevor was a little bit better than me as well. Uh, he got the Colts wrong pick, uh, but he did get the Rams, the Bucks, the Ravens. And the Saints, he did as well go with the Steelers. Why did you guys not have faith in the Browns? I I honestly have a little bit of faith of the Browns going in and beating Kansas City. I'll even say that. Okay, okay, stop. Just stop. Why why don't you think they can do it? I think that you're going to have the classic one seed riding in there thinking they're all all this. Patrick Mahomes hasn't played football in, what, three weeks now or something like that. He's going to come. He's going to think that he's better than he is. And I, I think that the Browns might shock them. I think that they have everything in place that they need to have. I you have that, that dominant run game that can run some time out. Baker Mayfield's playing great football. The defense is doing what they need to do. If Miles Gary can get in the backfield and you know knock up Patrick Mahomes a little bit, who knows what happens?
1: I have to They'll disagree with that. Just just based on on the concept of mentality, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of great teams, but I, I think what you know differentiates a good team from a great team is a team like the Chiefs that like doesn't have to talk. You know what I mean? Like when have the chiefs gone out and talked, like even if someone else, like, you know, the media will always have their games and they're like, Oh, I, I think uh, the Titans have it this year, or the bills or whatever. Right. Like the chiefs aren't a team that needs to talk and be like, put respect on our name. Like they're just going to go out and win games. Right. If you're talking about a team that's going to come into this game with too much confidence, it's obviously going to be the Browns it's obviously going to be the team that's led by Baker Mayfield. You're telling me another team's going to be more overconfident than him. No chance. And I mean, I would love to see the Browns do it. I just don't see a path
0: to victory for that team. Let's give our playoff picks and get out of here.
2: the The first game on the docket on Saturday, uh, the LA Rams travel to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers. You guys already know my pick. I'm going with the Packers. I think they're going to be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think all the talk is, "Oh, can Aaron Donald slow down Aaron Rodgers?" No, I don't think he can because. One guy, even as great as Aaron Donald is, can't stop the MVP. I, I don't think that a, a defensive player is going to do that, especially when he's coming off a, a minor injury, possibly bigger than he wants to let go.
1: I, I'm in agreement with Daniel. Uh, I've got the Packers in this game mostly because of reasons of, of just watching the, the wildcard game between the Rams and the Seahawks. and I saw much more of a Seahawks dysfunction than a Ram's uh, you know under you know underappreciated kind of ball club. Uh, And I think that while, you know, certainly the Packers had some controversy about their pieces on offense heading into the year, they've they've been more than a functional offense in the season. And I, I don't think look, this one is going to be particularly close.
0: I got the Rams, boys. I'm going. Wow, I got the Rams. Uh, Last year, the 49ers ran all over. Uh, the Packers, thanks to a strong defense and a run game. The Rams have both those things. Doesn't matter if Jared Goff has one thumb, two thumbs, three thumbs, maybe even six thumbs. I don't even know. It doesn't matter because the Rams have the defense. They have Uh, The Packers only have one guy that's a real threat. Guess what? They have Jalen Ramsey, who's been known to shut down number one receivers all year long. Aaron Donald's going to shut down the run game, bring the pressure up the middle. And then I think that the Rams are going to do just enough, run the heck out of the ball uh, to grind out a three-point win, kind of in the low 20s, maybe 2017.
2: I got the Rams. I I disagree. I think Jalen Ramsey loves the sunshine a little bit. Doesn't know how to play in the snow. I don't know how play many. Oh yeah. played in in his career, I think Devontae Adams is gonna put a clinic on him.
0: People hyped up DK Metcalf. He had like two yards. Jordan, what's your pick?
3: Uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go Packers. I think the snow is gonna be a big factor for the LA boys. Uh, us California people, we don't we don't like snow. Snow is one thing. It's one thing we're not we're not fans of. So I think it's gonna and, and golf's thumb too as well. Uh, I think it'll be close though. Nope. I think the Rams defense is, is great. Um, I'm, I think it'll be – I'm looking at a, a nine-point Packers win, so somewhat close.
2: Well, the next game, there might be snow up in, uh, in Buffalo as well. The Ravens travel to take on the Bills. Jimmy, as the resident Ravens fan, what, what do they have to do to win this game, and do you think that they're going to win it?
1: The Ravens will win this game, Daniel. Uh, and the reason that they will do uh, that very thing is that their secondary is constantly – underappreciated. And the Bills run game has simply not figured it out this year. Uh, they were a pretty strong unit last year, but this year it's been kind of constantly shuffling between Singletary and Moss. Without Moss, they're going to have to rely on a pretty not sure-handed Singletary uh, who has fumble problems of his own. And the Ravens are known for nothing if not uh, punching out the football. And when you look at that secondary, I don't see a way in which a group f- featuring Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, etc., cetera, uh, could get truly constantly burned by a guy like stefan Diggs, though he has managed to do that so far this year so i think that the ravens defense is going to be the difference in this game nothing against lamar jackson nothing against the run game that will not be stopped by the bills um but this is a super bowl caliber team and they proved that against the titans with a very complete showing uh on the road and I, i don't see a reason that they can't do that again this week trevor
0: I'm rolling with you, Jimmy. I rolled with you last week, and I loved every second of it. I made a deal with the devil. I got on Jimmy's side. Uh, Daniel was calling us crazy. I'm going with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson runs for 123 yards. They win this one by eight points.
3: I mean, you made a deal with the devil last week, and if you make a deal with the devil twice, he will screw you over. So I'm going to have to go with the Bills. I just love watching the Bills. I'm glad they got fans there, whether it's going to be – You know, 7,000 loud, shirtless, freezing fans who've all jumped through tables and have splinters in their back. I really think that the Bills are going to take it home. They're just great. I love Stephon Diggs. I love Josh Allen, the the California boy, the Central California kid. And they've just been on a tear. The the hottest team in the league besides the Chiefs and the Packers. Um, I'm going Bills 30, Ravens 23.
2: Ooh. i'm with jordan on this one last week i picked against the ravens and i'm gonna do it again we're gonna to go to the next game the the first game uh on sunday is the browns and chiefs i've already said uh that i think that the browns might shock but hey i i want to have better picks than you guys so i need to stick with the 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 better pick here and go with the chiefs i still think oh, Instantly
0: going, going, back, damn, going back, back on it damn i'm not going back on it.
2: I, I said i think that they can win i still think they can win i don't think they will though
0: Not only do I think they can win, I think they win this one. I think Nick Chubb runs all over the Chiefs. I think he is the second-best ball carrier in the entire NFL behind only Derrick Henry. I think he's dangerous. I think this Browns team has momentum. I made the mistake of doubting them last week. Never going to happen again. Also, big one here, Uh, Chiefs defense, not that great. Uh, Obviously, Browns offense, great with the running game. They'll get back Joel Batonio starting left guard, who's incredible, three-time pro bowler. He'll be back in the lineup. Um, and they also get back Denzel Ward in the lineup. Um, and that's going to be huge to at least slow down the Chiefs' passing attack by a little bit. When I say that, that means like 300 yards instead of 400. But still, I think the Browns win a wild one, 47-35.
1: The Chiefs will win. You know when the Patriots – would play those games in the playoffs and you'd be like why are the Texans playing against the Patriots like this isn't even like why are they even putting this on television it's not even a question they're playing in Gillette like in the cold like is that a joke um that's exactly how I feel about this you can also add the Steelers against the Patriots because you know the Steelers are bronze. uh but that's what this is right like and we saw it last year with the Texans of all teams uh the divisional round and then we saw it again with the Titans right so it, it, it's just these teams march in here and you, they just don't feel complete. They're a bit upstart. They're kind of underdogs. Uh, but the Chiefs are not a team that falls to underdogs. They fall when they take weeks off and don't care if this is the Raiders. Right. This is, I don't see this one being particularly close. I see this one uh, being game where, you know, the Browns come back to earth in a lot of ways. I, I would hope for a score Gami. I'm looking for 33s uh, 33, uh, 18, I believe is the score Gami that's been, you know, quite sought after something like that. 33, 18, 33, 16. Uh, Yeah. I don't think that this is going to be particularly close.
0: Sought after.
3: Yeah. I'm going chiefs. I'm just going to go chiefs because yeah, the Browns can, can control the run, but Mahomes can score twice in, in four minutes. Boom. Your, your 10 point, your 10 point lead ends into, turns into a deficit of whatever. I'm not good at math, but. (laughs) I think that's the Chiefs are just, they're too good. The, the Browns had their little miracle Corvette Corvette game. They took the Corvettes, they're taking the Corvettes to Kansas City, but their Corvette is going to need, need some maintenance after this game. Let's just
2: say that. Triple A. Well, the check engine light has also come on on this podcast. It's time to to bring it into the station. So we have one more game quick. Uh, Geezer versus Geezer. You have uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers versus Drew Brees. And the Saints, you have two different uh, geriatrics. They are leaving their nursing homes. Uh, I hope that they've been vaccinated before they do so. Uh, Trevor looks like he has his hand (laughs) up.
0: This game, I hate both of these teams so much. I hate both of the quarterbacks so much that the only way this game is going to excite me is if I take a page out of Tom Brady and Drew Brees' books and take three Viagras before the game because that's the only way that I'm going to enjoy it in any way or get around it in any way. Um, But long story short, um, don't put that in the podcast. (laughs) Go to somebody else.
3: In the AARP Bowl latest installment, I'm I'm going with Tom Brady. I, I don't, the, Saint, the Saints are good, but they don't really, they don't do it for me. I'm going with Tom Brady and the Bucks. Uh It'll be close. I think it'll come down to a, to a field goal. I'm going to go 40 to 37.
1: I just want to note that uh, Trevor didn't even make a pick there. And I, I love that. Um, my pick is the Bucks. Pretty simple. Uh, this is my NFC, you know, championship pick. Uh, personally, I don't think that the Saints have the juice. I, I really don't think that Drew Brees has had it this year or even really last year, if we want to be honest about it. And I, I think it'll be a cap on his career. I think that this could be his last game that he plays. Uh, and when it's all said and done, even after this game, Tom Brady and Drew Brees will have the same amount of playoff wins against NFC opponents. I And and we won't talk about it enough, but we, you know once Drew Brees hangs up the cleats after this game, we'll be like, hey, he might be a little overrated.
2: Well, that is a conversation for another day. Uh, I will leave it with my pick of the Buccaneers as well. Uh, Trevor is hysterically laughing over here, covering his, his mouth with a shirt. Uh, I, I'll say the same thing that you guys said, and I'll, I'll uh, I guess, leapfrog off of your points. The Saints don't do it for me anymore. Whatever luster they've had in the past, they, they have just lost it all. They, whatever we thought going into the season last season, the team hasn't changed that much, but maybe it's Sean Payton's play calling. Michael Thomas isn't who he's been in the past. Uh, I don't know. I, I watched one Nickelodeon broadcast and I, I just don't want to watch the Saints ever again.
0: Yeah, I think we're done here, guys. Um, this has been a fun podcast. We'll be back next week study hall episode nine hopefully we get some joseph's judgments again i texted him at 6 9 p.m eastern time which i believe if my if you carry the one that's 3 9 p.m western time which i believe is when he watches days of our lives if i have a schedule right if he if he still goes by the old schedule so i'm not sure why he didn't get back to me but hopefully have some joseph's thoughts next week we got a lot going on next i feel like a lot of us you know could be right right or wrong. I feel like the Devonte Adams Jalen Ramsey thing is going to be very interesting. One of us is going to be dead wrong about that. One of us is going to be dead right. So, very excited for that. Very excited for next week's show. I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. Uh James Harden, I feel your pain, man. I feel your pain. Bye.